What's up, guys? You are listening to the YBR Remo Show, where we talk all things Vancouver real estate and mortgages, take boring topics, and make them interesting. Make sure to stay tuned to listen to everything you need to know how to put cash back in your pocket, create wealth in real estate, and simplify the complicated. According to a recent article published in the Globe and Mail and a variety of other news publications, one in four Canadians suggest they'd have to sell their home if interest rates rise more. Clickbait. You gotta love it. It's absolutely everywhere these days. And it just seems like you can't hide from a news article about the real estate market crashing or interest rates going up or an upcoming recession. Now, our world, that is more about, um, again, clickbait. It's generally speaking, a lot of fever that's getting uh, thrown out there because the news articles are focused on getting your attention and scaring you. And that's the same with anything and everything when it comes to news no different than COVID or the pandemic or anything else out there. But that doesn't mean it's not important to talk about because if they're talking about it, that means there's something worth considering here. And we recognize that the market's changing, interest rates are changing, and there's a lot going on right now. And so for that reason, we found that uh, it would be a good conversation to talk about today, which is, okay, let's explain these numbers. Let's break them down. Let's talk about what you could do if you are concerned about cash flow, meaning your monthly payments, and, and what are the tools uh, that you can use in your existing mortgage to, to help yourself out financially speaking if things turn to uh, the tide in the next couple of years. So let's get into it. Let's talk a little bit about it and what's going on. Um, I mean, I'll just basically start off really quickly um, just talking about this article. I mean, first things first, you know, these this kind of articles drive me nuts because, I mean, right off the bat, we're looking at, at, there's an article where they did a survey of 2,000 Canadians across multiple provinces with a median income of $40,000 of uh, household income or more. It doesn't specify where they're at in their home cycle. It doesn't specify what their financial situation is, uh, what their assets or liabilities are, nothing. It just says they might not be able to afford it or might have to sell. Yeah, I mean, it drives me nuts as well. And and I don't have the exact stats in front of me, but something that a lot of people don't realize because this is all doomsday talk, right? We're talking about mortgage payments going up by 45% and people are going to have to sell their homes if rates go up again. Um, but what they're not talking about is how many people, number one, don't actually have mortgages in Canada. They don't even physically have one. Their house is clear title. There's a massive, massive percentage of people that don't even have debt on their property. So they're completely out of the picture. The second stat is how many people are in fixed rate mortgages that don't have an immediate impact from this. Yes, when they're coming up for renewal in six months or three years, they are going to see an increase. But a lot of people, a lot of Canadians are in fixed rate mortgages and there is no immediate impact based on these rate hikes. And then there's variable and there's two types of variable, one of them being a static payment, which means your payment actually doesn't change when rates increase. So again, another massive group of people that are not being impacted by these rate hikes, right? I believe there's about one in 10, one in every 10 mortgages in Canada actually is in a variable with an adjusting payment, right? So those people are seeing this immediate impact. And then I'd say the other people that are might be looking at that payment jump are the people in fixed rate mortgages that were in cheaper rates and are coming up for renewal right now. But if you think about that, if we circle back to rates, you know, five years ago, they were kind of in the 3% range, right? So you might see a 2% jump. And we also have to recognize that everyone that's taken a mortgage in the last few years has been qualified at 5.25%, right? Like technically everyone qualifies at 5.25 and we're not even there yet. So, I mean, technically people should be good. Of course, there's going to be people that don't manage their finances properly. But um, I think in general, 
these are doomsday articles, you know, the media pushes stuff like this, people panic and lock into fixed rates without really putting much thought into it, unfortunately. I just look back during the pandemic when the rates hit rock bottom and we were into the 1% range. A lot of people broke their mortgages and refinanced at that point in time. We, you know, we have a lot of clients that are sitting in fixed rates below 2% and that mortgage was just a range less than 12 months ago or maybe, you know, 18 months ago at the most. Those people are good for another three and a half, four years. Like they do, they have nothing to worry about at all for another three and a half to four years. And, and if you fast forward that far ahead, we should definitely be out of this rate range that we're looking at right now. I would imagine, I mean, typically when rates go up, like this i mean we've seen you know many cycles of this in our career um they do come back down you know we uh, we would never expect that they'll come back down below two percent again but i would imagine they'll come pretty close to that that two percent range in in the near you know in the near future and near future being the next two to three years so i i think like for a lot of people this is this is definitely a non-issue and and again i just to repeat myself i go back like the amount of people that broke their mortgages and refinanced in the last 18 months is significant i'd love to see some stats on that we don't have that readily available but just from our own company um pretty much every client we had took the advantage of of dropping their more uh, rate and refinancing their mortgage during those times so just circling back to the article as a whole and and on to what some of what derek mentioned and what d mentioned there um first thing if you're reading these articles make sure to specify and look at the statistics and the surveys that they're using Usually what I see happen is people just throw me an article and say, oh, my God, did you see this? And I'll say, OK, great. There's an, a, a headline. What am I looking at here? What are they specifically saying? Because it's again, it's no different than a sexy title. It's just basically there to scare the crap out of you. Dig deeper, look at the information and read through it before making any kind of decision. Um, case in point, in the United States right now, there's a lot of articles talking about the big R word recession recession well let's just talk about a recession and recessionary measures as a whole this isn't this doesn't mean that people are all losing their homes this doesn't mean that everyone's losing their jobs it generally speaking means that there's a change in environment which means there's less people acquiring new positions and spending less money overall there's less money to spend there's less money out there it doesn't mean that everyone is going to foreclose on their mortgages or their properties and a big reason that uh, you know, the real estate fact or the real estate sector in the United States is not anticipated to have any kind of crazy crash is because this isn't housing related. Uh, this is entirely related to, well, the government printing too much money. So let's get back to the point here. The point was there's an article suggesting one in four people aren't going to be able to afford their mortgages. That's just simply not the case. The other factor to consider is, and I think you guys touched on this right now, but just to go into it, none of these people surveyed were actually educated on what would the payment be if they changed their mortgage rate and what their options were. It was simply, do you think you can afford your home if rates are going up? It's an arbitrary question. It's not something that anyone can answer. Case in point, when the Bank of Canada re uh, recently increased rates by half percent, we did this in the last episode, you saw your average payment increased by about $24 for every hundred grand. Well, the average mortgage in Canada is just around $300,000. So that means that if the payments went up by, in this case, for the variable rate holders who had adjustable payments in the ballpark of you know, $75, they're suggesting that they couldn't afford $75 per month or they'd have to sell their home. That's scary. That's more scary than the concept of just because payments are going up. So I think there's a bigger picture here at play. Yeah. And I mean, there's, there's so many other factors to consider here, right? Like I think 
it's shocking, but we see everyone's finances uh, constantly and it's mind blowing how many people have a $900 car payment or $1,200 truck payment. I think if it came down to it and someone was tight on cash, the first thing you're going to do is sell your truck. You don't sell your house, right? Like you need a place to live. The last thing you are going to do as a homeowner is sell your home. I can guarantee that. And I've been doing this for seven years. These guys have been in the business longer than myself. I think I've seen one app, one client that I've worked with out of thousands has gotten close to going into foreclosure. They haven't even gone into foreclosure. So I don't know about you guys, but like we have seen ups and downs in markets. We've seen rates go up. We've seen markets slow down. Very, very few Canadians will actually miss a mortgage payment, let alone get to the point where they have to sell their home. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's uh, it's it's true. The Canadians uh, have been proven. I think we have some of the lowest mortgage default rates in the entire uh, uh, I guess first world countries. Um, so with that in mind, let's talk a little bit about what our suggestions are with people that are concerned about the news articles with prices changing and uh, rates going up and so forth. So I mean, the first piece of feedback I suggest getting right into this is for anybody stressed out about this sort of information, as we suggested, don't watch the news, listen to our podcast, talk to people that are informed, don't just talk to your uncle's brother's mother's sister or something like that. Don't listen to hearsay. Avoid all that stuff. It's not helpful. It's not good. It's not useful information. Um, the second thing right off the bat is look at your own situation, like Derek mentioned. So the first thing you got to be doing, if we are in, in a situation where we are seeing interest rates rise, which is happening and going to continue to happen, and we are seeing you know uh, pressure on price points in other areas like gas and food and everything else for that matter, is figure out your own situation, look at your own numbers, and look at your own budget. Now, for us, a lot of that means, you know, obviously, like Derek mentioned right there, look at your your car payments, your additional costs, your your monthly expenses on your your uh, Netflix and stuff like that, right? Like dig into that kind of stuff first before stressing out about your mortgage, because the average person that I talk to could cut hundreds of dollars from their budget easily in other areas before causing any stress or concern. So that'll be the first thing that we jump into. Now do that before worrying about your mortgage. But if we are talking about your loan, there's some different circumstances where it might make sense to look at some options available. And I think the first things that we started talking about right off the bat, guys, was what are the things that you can do from an amortization perspective, or if someone's in a loan right now, if they're coming up for renewal, or if they're concerned about their main monthly payment increases, what are some things that we can do to help them with their loan or what can they do? One of the first things that we always consider is just re-amortizing the, the amortization. So when, when looking at this, most people, especially people that maybe bought with less than 20% down five years ago, coming up for renewal, they would have purchased on a 25 year amortization. And let's, you know, let's say, you know, maybe average rates were around two, uh, the high 2%, you know, low 3% range at that point in time, you know, they're coming up and, and not only is there a significant amount of equity that they could potentially look to tap into, but just from the perspective of potentially lowering the payments and not accessing equity it doesn't always mean when you refinance you don't always have to tap into equity i think a, a lot of people think that when they're refinancing it's for the purpose of you know pulling money out or consolidating debts or what have you um, but in reality you can just simply refinance to just change the payment plan to a 30-year amortization and by extending that out another five years yes you're adding another five years to you know to your your timeline of paying this mortgage off, but it makes a big impact on payments. Um, and and in, in a lot of cases, you could probably see your payment potentially even re reduce to, to, to a lower amount than what you're paying currently. So to, to just think about that for a second, I mean, you could be at say a 299% rate and 
you know, by going to a 30 year, even at a four and a half, 4.6% rate, you could still have potentially lower payment just because you added those extra years. I was just going to say anyone that bought, uh, anyone listening to this that bought with less than 20% down, that means your mortgage is insured, which you initially had a 25 year amortization plus insurance premiums. And you're going to have a pretty significant penalty because of that, uh, that initial shorter amortization. So I've ran some numbers for a handful of clients and it actually makes a big difference um, extending that out to 30 years. And I mean, to touch on something Dean said, you know, yeah, you're adding amortization. You know how many people don't actually keep their house for 30 years and pay their mortgage off? Like it all, it all depends on your age and your plans, but like most people sell their house three to five years in, right? A lot of people, especially where we live, are trying to get into something bigger. So you do have to think about budgeting and you have to think long-term, are you really going to have this house forever? Are you really going to have this mortgage forever? Very unlikely, very, very, very unlikely. So to make yourself a little bit more comfortable now, I think the re-amortization piece is huge. And then another thing, I mean, this kind of brings me back to the COVID days when it was all doomsday stuff, but this is kind of what the news is portraying again. If you don't have a line of credit on your house and you have equity, which most people do, you should get a line of credit, right? And refinancing gives you an opportunity to get a line of credit. And that line of credit is again, just a safety net, right? If payments do get too high and it gets unaffordable for you, like you have equity in your home unless you bought three months ago, right? Like if you bought 12 months ago or previous, you probably have equity in your home and you could probably get a line of credit for like 50 to $200,000 and it's just there if you need it. Um, and if you're going through that refinance and re-amortize process, we always recommend setting up a HELOC. I think it's pretty important to just look at your overall budget in general. I mean, we're, we're, we're isolating the mortgage product at, at this current time, but even with these rates, the mortgage is probably your, your, your smallest amount of interest in, in your entire portfolio, depending on what you're carrying. So, you know, thinking about credit card debt, line of credits, um, car payments, all of this stuff, consider that and, and really budget. I know when during the pandemic budgeting was a big focus for us, you know, you know, actually putting all your dollars onto a, a spreadsheet, you know, what are you paying for Netflix? What are you paying for all these little things? And then really looking to see where you can clean up, clean up your, your finances and cleaning up doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. Or, you know, we always get this, this notion or thought that refinancing is a bad thing, but it's, it's not, it, it's not, it's not a bad mark on your credit. It, it, it has no negative impact on your credit. It actually typically is a, is a very much a positive impact on your credit because we're getting you out of, you know, higher interest debts or what have you. So, so really looking at your total payment plan, finding a way to consolidate that into one, even at the higher mortgage rates, they're likely still going to be lower than all those other debts. And to, to bring that into one payment, I mean, we've seen it many, many times, even with, you know, the four and a half percent rate range, we're seeing payments come down overall by a thousand dollars, fifteen hundred dollars a month because we're consolidating those debts. So you make a good point. And I think there's a lot that can be said there. Like, Derek, you brought up the pandemic. Dean, you mentioned it just a second ago. And there's a lot that can be said about just generally getting back to basics. You know, the last two years was crazy for everybody. And I know a lot of people that just literally been working like crazy for like I said, two years straight, didn't take a vacation. And then boom, you know, obviously COVID restrictions are loosened. Now you can get back out. You can enjoy life. You can, you can do all the things you want to do. So we're seeing, I see day to day people spending more money on anything and everything. And I'm not suggesting that's a bad thing. You've got to live your life. 
But the flip side of the equation is everybody's stressed about the, the one thing that's probably going to be the least impactful day to day, which is, I know it sounds insane to say this, but the mortgage. But I mean, Dean, you make a good point. Like, listen, if you need to re-amortize your loan to get you through a tough time and reset, it's not a bad thing to go to a 30-year mortgage. You know, I talk to people all the time and they say, I say, hey, you know, listen, we recommend a 30-year loan because you can always reduce your payments back if necessary. Um, and they're concerned, well, I don't want to pay off a mortgage over 30 years. Well, I think that's where you reset, you set up your budget, you come up with a strategy because there's a lot of payment strategies in place that can help you prepay the loan much faster. But those kind of key points are definitely something to consider. So we talked about budgeting, reamortizing the loan, which reduces the payment. You can always pay it down faster when you're in a better spot. And then paying down higher cost debt, which is massive. I mean, most of those car loans that you see right now are at rates of 6 to 10%. Believe it or not, a 6% loan right now based on inflation is actually good, by the way. But you know, these are, these are different things that you can do right off the bat. And I think, Derek, you mentioned this, but I want to reiterate this. The whole thing about the variable and fixed, listen, like folks, uh, people are stressed because they have a variable rate loan and rates are going up. But guess what? With that variable rate loan, you actually have the ability... To, to get out of it with three months worth of interest, whereas many of these fixed rate mortgages, you're gonna be paying these massive prepayment penalties. Uh, don't forget, of course, if you want the best of both worlds, you can, if you qualify, you can apply for a variable rate static payment mortgage. Now let's talk about how this impacts, uh, you know, a lot of our clients who own investment properties, because again, there's a there's a, a proponent of our client base that, that we teach how to buy investment real estate. And a lot of them might be a little stressed out right now because they're looking at analyzing these properties and saying, well, you know, I was making 200 bucks a month and now I'm not making anything or I'm in the negative. What happens if rates go up another half percent or 2% or whatever? What is that going to look like? What are my options there? Um, you know, there's quite a few different options. Let's uh, let's touch on that for a second. A lot of the same tactics apply. Looking at re-amortizing is obviously going to be another one to, to you know, increase cash flow. And, and to me, that's a no-brainer. I mean, whenever I look at any of my rental properties, not only would I consider re-amortizing regardless of a tough time, um, but also just looking at refinancing that up to 80% to look to redeploy those funds. Like I always consider, and I mean, you know, other people have other opinions on this, but I always look at my rental property and I, I, I prefer to have that max out to 80% loan to value at all times. And, and so whenever I come up to uh, renewal, I'm looking to, to access that equity. And, and I think this is kind of the same play. Like why wouldn't you want to increase cash flow? Why wouldn't you want to utilize those funds to potentially buy more and increase the cash flow on the entire portfolio if that's an opportunity? I mean, we're getting into times where there are going to be opportunities to buy. And again, like, yes, the question is, how do you just, you know, be better from a budget standpoint and re-amortizing re achieves that, but also growing the portfolio can also achieve that. You know, growing the total cash flow, getting more um, assets in tough times makes sense to me if, if you can pull it off. So I would be looking at all options I would normally always look at if I was a landlord right now. Just from our experience working with investors, most of them are in variable mortgages. Very rare that we see someone buying a rental property that will jump into a fix just because typically want to have the flexibility on that mortgage to again refinance sell if it makes sense and you don't want to run into these massive penalties um so you know every person has a rental property and variable mortgage you're seeing potentially seeing payments go up and down and again re-amortization can help that but just one thing i wanted to make note of you know maybe you've been cash flowing 200 bucks a month for the last two years and now that rates have gone up you're out of pocket 50 bucks a month of course not necessarily ideal 
But does that mean that's a bad investment? Does that mean you should sell that property because you're out of pocket 50 bucks a month? Not a chance, right? Like when you look at what real estate can do for you over a long period of time, because it has to be a long-term investment. If you make money short-term, you're lucky. But if you look at what that property is going to do for you just based on principal pay down, right? And, and, and take into consideration your 50 bucks a month out of pocket, you're still going to come out so far ahead. And we're not even taking into consideration um, appreciation, which nine times out of 10 is going to be there when you look at a five-year span, right? So if you are an investor and even if you have re-amortized and refinanced and you're still out of pocket a bit, obviously it needs to be affordable for you, but it's not a bad thing. A lot of people are out of pocket on rental properties, especially in the lower mainland. So hands down, not a bad investment if you are out of pocket. And you know, if you're in that variable and your pay payment's gone up, we have to keep in mind that probably somewhere in the next few years, rates are going to come back down, payments are going to come back down, and then life is good again. Let's touch on your time point right there. I mean, both of you guys made uh, comments about just general time involved in time in the market. So I made a post on my Instagram yesterday. And uh, if you don't follow, follow me on Thrive or on the Mortgage Pug if you want to. But I made a post on there yesterday, and apparently it resonated with a lot of people. Just basically short and sweet because of the, the sense of stress that I'm getting from people right now is said, if you hear the word recession or rising expenses, rising costs, don't think fear, think opportunity. And the reason that I suggest that is because if you look historically, what are the times that most people have made most money, the, the folks who are making most money, when are those times? 2020, COVID, the pandemic. What was the news saying? Sell your house, sell your assets, Get rid of your 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 portfolios. Get rid of everything. What happened a year and a half later? Real estate through the roof. Interest rates dropping. Stock portfolios, everything up. Guess what? We're back down again. That's okay. It's nothing unusual. But you hold in these times. That's why you invest. It's not easy. If you let your money sit in the bank right now, with today's inflation rates proposed to be around 8.6% in Canada, the reality is it's probably 12%. We talked about this last episode. You're losing 8% of your money. But if, if, as Derek mentioned, if you have a renter in your property, or Dean mentioned this, and you have multiple renters in your properties paying you, even, even if you're having to come up with a little bit of extra money right now, but hold on through this next one or two years, chances are very good that in that timeline, you're not only going to end up paying down much more of the principal, but guess what? Another three, four, five, six, seven years from now, those properties are going to go back up in value. And that 8% is going to turn into 10, 12, 15, 20% just like that. Now, anything over and above that, you know, again, as the guys mentioned here, you can re-amortize the loan. Those costs can be considered a cost of refinancing. It writes down your total taxes that you pay. You can do what Derek mentioned as well. Get a HELOC if you don't already have one. If you can qualify one for one on your rental property, here's a strategy that some of our clients have been using. Get the HELOC to 65% of the value. If you're really worried about the total cost, you can put a whole bunch of your money, the mortgage money, into the HELOC right away and make interest-only payments. Yeah, you're not paying off any principal, but if you're worried about your cash flow, instead of letting go of your asset, you reduce your total cost, increasing your monthly cash flow. Right away, solves the stress of having to seed the property. I'll tell you the biggest mistake most people are going to make in the next six months, in my opinion, there's going to be two mistakes. Number one, reading the news. No, that's probably just right off the bat. But number two is they're going to sell off their real estate. They're going to sell off their stocks investments because they're concerned it's going to drop like a tank and not be able to uh, to afford it. They're not going to be able to hold it through. 
So focus on number one, focus on your primary goals, your primary situation long-term before stressing out about that. I'll hammer one last thing on re-amortizing. If you're somebody that is looking to grow a rental portfolio, regardless of you needing to re-amortize from a budget standpoint, it makes sense to re-amortize just from a straight up from a qualification standpoint. When looking to grow your portfolio, you may not be ready to buy your next rental property today, but if one or two of your properties are coming up for renewal, I would highly advise of extending the amortization just to set yourself up for more success from a qualification standpoint in the future. And so that's something I would definitely be looking at whether you need it or not, because you could always re-amortize, lower those payments, and then consider just increasing your payment after the fact um, to, to continue to you know achieve a goal of paying your mortgage off in 25 years if that's ultimately what you want to do. You can make those changes, but the minimum payment on your credit bureau is going to show up at, at the reset payment, and that's going to uh, benefit you from a qualification standpoint going forward and again getting into these times you know Alex mentioned this these are the times you hold but a lot of people would would argue these are also the times that you 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 buy and 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 find opportunities so set yourself up for success from maximizing your qualification and that would be something I'd be looking at yeah just last those are all really good points last tip I would have for an investor someone that owns a rental property um, if you have a long-term tenant in your property and this is not to kick tenants out but um, if you have a property that could be Airbnb or even partially Airbnb, basement suite, whatever, that is, uh, there's a ton of opportunity to bring in more income than you would with a long-term tenant. So if you're you're underwater with your long-term tenant and, and you just can't afford to keep it, you should look at uh, potentially restructuring and making that an Airbnb because you can bring in, you know, 50% more income by doing that, which could support, uh, you know, being able to keep your investment. Well said. Well said. So at the end of the day, um, folks who are in variable rate loans, uh, don't stress out. Rates are going to continue to go up, but manage your own situation. If you have an investment property, think long game. If you have the ability to open up and free up some equity, if you didn't already do so, look at the opportunities, folks. I mean, I, I can't speak for Derek or Dean here, but I just uh, increased my home equity line of credit on my property. And uh, I'm actively now searching for real estate. And I personally have variable rate mortgages on each and every one of my primary rights or properties and rentals, I should say. So um, yeah, definitely look at that. Look at what the uh, the experts in the industries are doing. We don't have a crystal ball, uh, but what we do have is sanity and we like to slow things down and analyze them. So folks, any other questions, make sure to reach out to us at Thrive Mortgage Co. on the uh, Instagram uh, website, thrivemortgage.ca. If you're loving the podcast, give us that five-star review on iTunes, Spotify. You can do that now too, if you haven't already done so. And share this out with a friend because we'd love to spread the message and the calm words. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next one.